Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, topics, loaded like offense, co-centric, talk about it often, Stampede Blue, let's air it out. Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts cast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Matt Danley. Big win for the Colts in week two. They did bounce back against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, end up pulling out a 28-11 to win. Pretty dominant for the most part throughout the entire game. So that's nice to see after a loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars in week one. Uh, just real quick, around the rest of the AFC South, the Jaguars did lose by three, I believe, on a last-second field goal uh, to the Titans, 33-30. to And the Texans were beat by the Baltimore Ravens. I think they were nearly doubled up. I think it was 30-16 to was the final score in that one. So the Colts win, big win. Um, climbing back up, looked a little more polished this week. Uh, some news and notes, you know, so to speak, to go along with uh, what we saw in the game. Um I think we saw a little bit better all-around game from Kirk Cousins, or I'm sorry, from uh, <laughs> from Philip Rivers, uh, which I think you know made a lot of people pretty happy. We didn't see a whole lot of bad throws. We saw a couple. We saw him start to force a few things to Hilton, and uh, just in general, you know, th- there was a little bit of some man. That's not a good throw. Luckily, there were some penalty flags on a couple of them. They weren't. You know, they weren't negative plays. They were simply incompletions, and that was probably the best end result from those plays, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, also, news on Campbell and Hooker, both going out in this game. Campbell with a knee, Hooker with an Achilles. At least at this moment, it appears that Hooker's is more uh, more serious than Campbell's. They fear that Hooker may have torn his Achilles, which is typically... I mean, I don't know too many people that go out from a bruised or a strained Achilles really very often. Usually if you do something to the Achilles, it, it's, it's, it's curtains. So that, that, uh, that's bad news for Hooker, especially in a year when he's hoping to have a big year going into free agency. Uh, Campbell, on the other hand, you know, his didn't look at least, you know, I watched it twice. The first time I couldn't really tell, but the second time I watched it, you could see that his left foot was planted when his knee was hit. It did kind of bank inside. What didn't uh, hyperextend, you know, so that it wasn't that just obvious torn ACL or anything like that. So it's still hard to see what he got. They say that uh, that he kind of dodged a bullet with the ACL and will end up having an MRI 
uh, within the next day or so to kind of really determine what actually happened with his knee. Maybe it's just a bruise. Maybe it's a strain. MCL, ACL, PCL. We don't know what it is right now, but I still with Campbell, with a guy like that who's so reliant on his speed and being able to cut, I don't think we're going to see him for a few weeks, to be perfectly honest with you. So um, kind of going through some of the notes that I took from the game. Overall, it's a game that you wanted to see the Colts play on both sides of the ball. You wanted to see them control the clock. You wanted to see them kind of dominate defensively and keep those points, those yardage, the the, the yards per uh, drive way down. And that's exactly what they did. The Vikings came out in the first uh, their first drive with the 13-play uh, field goal drive. Um, then the Colts held them on six straight possessions and into the second half uh, to four or fewer plays per drive. That was huge. I mean, the Colts were forcing punt after punt, stopping them, interception just over and over and over again, which was nice to see. Giving the Colts, you know, some of those gimmies, some some extra points. Uh, one of the things that I thought about throughout the game, yes, the Colts did convert one of those into a touchdown, but the Colts were very reliant or very okay with taking field goal points, which was fine to a point. Um, you want to see those turn into touchdowns as often as possible, though. Not really much of, of a real complaint at this point because the Colts were dominating the game, um, but you know, closer games, better teams, those, you know, Colts are going to have to turn those into six. Um, the Colts did end up having another three and out out of the last, uh, the final three drives for the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings only put together six plays and eight plays in the other two of their final three drives of the game. So overall, very good game from the defense. You'd love to see that. Um, even though we complained a lot about the Colts defense in the first week uh, against the Jaguars, the Colts defense now is allowing 20 yards per drive. 171 total rushing yards in two weeks, less than 250 passing yards. And that includes the sack yardage, which is seven sacks. So the negative yardage they took from that, you get just under 250 passing yards. Um, you got to like that. You don't like, you know, the the end result that uh, Jacksonville was so efficient with putting points on the board against the Colts. But when you look at the total package of kind of the Colts just really – taking that bend don't break then turning some of that into some turnovers today you, you'll take that today hope that they'll kind of mesh the two types of games uh all in one and kind of help uh help the team that way uh rivers was 19 of 25 214 yards touchdown and a pick should have had another 45 yards and a touchdown uh big drop from ty hilton not impressed with that he was pretty quiet throughout the day um, only had a few catches, not a lot of yardage. Like I said, pretty quiet. Um, I wasn't concerned with Rivers' interception all that much. Went off of Moali Cox's chest into the defender's hands. That happens. So not – it wasn't via a, a a shitty throw, more or less, you know, just to keep it simple. So you like that. Rivers had a pretty good game, controlled the offense really well. You like how much he got some of the, everybody involved, you know, and he was helped a lot by some of the play, especially Taylor, of course. 26 carries for 101 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Wilkins helped a lot when he came in there. Didn't really touch the ball until the second half, which I was wondering. I mean, you had – I mean, I think Taylor had, what, 18, 19 carries at halftime, something like that. That's a huge load for him to carry, and I don't think that's 
conceivable to think that he can do that week in and week out. I don't think we want him to do that week in and week out. So it was nice to see Wilkins come in, uh, handle his nine cut nine touches uh, behind the line of scrimmage for 40 yards, 4.4 yardage uh, yards per carry. Uh, Mo Ali Cox caught five passes for 111 yards. You like to see that. Pittman was pretty effective. Had a few penalties today, mostly on blocking, but you like to see the aggressiveness from him. Uh, four catches for 37 yards. Got a lot of snaps and looked pretty good. Made some big catches, uh, even you know on a tipped pass. Ended up tipping it to himself again and bringing it down, which could have easily turned into an interception. Uh, Pascal was aggressive blocking and especially on uh, special teams. Also caught a two-yard touchdown. Other than that, caught, a, I think, another ball across the middle for a uh, first down. And I think the, I think he had three catches on the day. Heinz um, didn't get the workload he did in week one, uh, which may have been by design to kind of, you know, possibly throw off the Vikings defensive game plan. Plus, with Taylor being so active in the game plan this week with 26 uh, touches, you know, that could have been that plus the equal success that Taylor had could have been why Hines just wasn't as involved as he, you know, had been in week one, which ultimately is kind of, you know, either what you want or is just okay, depending on what your outlook is on it. Uh, from the Heinz's perspective, you like that he's getting a lot of touches, kind of having that Eckler uh, role within the Colts offense, but you like that the Colts were able to move it around and add more pieces in and uh, get, like, especially Mellow Alley Cox with the day he had, you know, that it's just nice that you're getting real production from a lot of other guys. And, you know, Heinz just simply didn't need to be the guy this week. So that was nice. Um, defensively, uh, Moore had two passes defensed and an interception looked good all day. Uh, Buckner was more noticeably active today. Um, had a sack and a half and four quarterback hits. Was good against the run. You like seeing that from the guy that you traded away a first-round pick for and you paid him almost $100 million, whatever that was. But, you know, that's good. Getting a return on investment from that guy, and he looked really good. Also, one of those sacks was the safety um, – early on in the, uh, I think, uh, second quarter. Uh, Danico Autry was real active, contributed on that safety that Buckner had, but didn't carry much of a stat line. You know, we saw him come free, putting pressure on on Cousins. That was good to see from him. Uh, One that I was especially happy about was Tyquan Lewis getting a sack. Looked real twitchy doing it. That's what you like to see. I mean, quick, quick feet, quick hands, able to beat his guy across from him. You know, he didn't get a lot, a ton of snaps, but he did do well when he was in. So you like to see that a lot from the front. You know, we also saw Grover Stewart getting involved in pressure and cousins. So you like to see that defensive line really working together, starting to get some chemistry. That's huge. Houston had a half a sack, uh, one with Buckner later on in the game. Uh, TJ Carey, I was a little worried about him starting with Rocky Sin out of the lineup. But he had two passes defensed and an interception as well and played pretty well overall in his starting role. Uh, it was good to see Rhodes not getting beat, you know, playing and play out. Uh, had a big pass defense. Uh, I'm not sure when it was in the game, but, you know, was able – he was kind of beat. You know, he had – if Cousins could have laid it a little bit over the top a little bit more, that's a completion. I don't think it would have gone for much more than what the original throw was for. However, it was nice to see Rhodes – be able to get a hand in there. And we didn't see him getting beat in and out. So that was nice. 
Uh, Willis had an interception. Blackman had a great game. Uh, one of his two passes defense led to that Willis interception. He had a couple big, powerful tackles. Um, Blackman, I think Blackman could be a real find. Has that natural, um, that natural ability to take the right angles towards towards the ball with the ball in the air, and that's something that you know we haven't really noticed. I don't think as a whole from Hooker that we hoped that was his thing coming out of Ohio State, right? That this guy is just a premier center fielder, takes the right angles, blah blah blah, and he hasn't really been that noticeably that guy, um, especially with him hurt now. And Blackman looking like he's the guy, you know, they wanted that guy and he hits hard. And I made the comment during the game on Twitter that he is the guy that TJ, they wanted TJ Green to be. And TJ Green never even touched, you know, being that kind of guy. And Blackman looks, at least at first blush, like that's who he's going to be. Hard hitter, smart with his angles towards the ball in the air, good defensively, able to come up instinctual. That's what you like to see out of a guy like that. Uh, especially with his ability to um, – he's, he's not going to play corner for the Colts. But he has some you know uh, ability to kind of play in some different roles that will help the Colts out a lot, I think. Uh, Blankenship went four for four with field goals. Um, like to see that. I, I still catch myself holding my breath when he kicks just because it's the kicker thing and you just don't want that to be an issue week to week or ever. You know, in a game, especially when you've got an older quarterback, um, can throw the ball deep. You know, obviously we saw that today, 50-some yards in the air. It was a 45-yard throw by from line of scrimmage to end zone. However, we saw that Phillip Rivers can throw the ball to the end zone, you know, and, and have him throw the ball 55-plus yards without a problem. However, you just don't want kicking to come into the picture here when you've got a guy who is going to throw interceptions, probably some untimely ones. Um, hopefully T Y Hilton got, you know, his jitters out and, uh, the rest of the team is kind of coming together. The offensive line looked really good today as well. Um, Colts doubled the Vikings in first downs on the day, 24 to 12. Uh, each team gave the other a healthy amount of firsts by penalty. The Vikings gave the Colts three and the Colts gave them four. Uh, neither team was good on third down. Vikings were two of nine. The Colts were three of excuse me three of eleven, and the Colts were one of one on fourth down. So four of twelve on uh, you know yardage to go. Uh, the Colts were two of four in the red zone. Vikings were one of two, both fifty percent. Colts obviously won the turnover battle and nearly doubled the Vikings in time of possession. Uh, the Colts weren't great in the penalty department though. Nine for thir- nine for ninety three yards. That is something that cannot happen. You know, these are positives, negatives, whatever. But we see that there's areas here where the Colts didn't play particularly well or didn't execute particularly well, where they're going to have to play better against better competition. Now, playing against the Jets this coming week, you know, that may not come into play. But the Colts don't play well against the Jets. We've seen that several times. Um, and the Colts really, really need to tighten this kind of stuff up. Uh, the Colts did, however, double the Vikings in yards per drive, roughly 35 to 17 yards per care or yards per drive. That's something that, you know, the Colts absolutely have to continue to do. Move the chains, move the chains, move the chains. And they found ways to do it. And they're creative about it. Love to see that from Frank Reich. 
didn't get down, didn't, you know, I was a little worried about Taylor uh, before the game. I was worried that he wasn't necessarily prepared to shoulder the load. He did this week. I don't know. He's still he's still rookie guys, so it's not like I'm saying anything negative about him. I love the I love the player. I just think that it's a lot to ask of a rookie, and the Colts are going to continue to have to be creative week in and week out when it comes to their offensive game plan. They're going to have to continue to get Mo Alley Cox involved. What is the tight end position really really about right now with Jack Doyle? And I told you guys about this last year. You know, yes, Doyle's back. I don't think Doyle's going to be lasting much longer. He's injured now. Um, he just doesn't have. He was never fast, but he's not got the speed. Um, he is an excellent route runner, but that's an issue. That's a real worry, in my opinion. So the Colts have to figure out their tight end situation for real. You know, they really do. That's an issue. Uh, Mo Ali Cox looks like he is at least, at the very minimum, a great number two in that department. So hoping that he can continue to do that, continue to, to run routes, show his athleticism, and go up and get 50-50 balls like he did today um, in the future because that's, that's a huge get. That's a huge plus for the Colts going forward. Um, you know, th- there's just a lot of areas where the Colts need to get better. Hopefully the Colts can continue to do that going forward. Um, you know, I mean – we saw that the Vikings played like crap in week one. And let's be honest, the Vikings played like shit this week too. But the Colts did what they had to do to continue to control the ball, win the game, both sides of the line of scrimmage. They played well defensively. They made some plays, um, especially on the ball. That's a huge deal. Not just made good tackles, not just kept them you know, behind the line of scrimmage because the Vikings running game wasn't terrible. At least per yards per carry, it was better than the Colts significantly, almost a full yard. So this isn't, you know, this wasn't a dominant performance from the Colts defense. This was a mixture of bad game plan, lack of execution on the Vikings part and the Colts doing what they had to do to make plays. So it did work out for the Colts and they ended up shutting it down for the most part and turned the Vikings into a very one-dimensional team. But this is something that like I said against better teams, against better coach teams and uh with better execute executing teams, this is going to be a issue for the Colts if they don't kind of tighten it up a little bit. However, excellent end result. Colts are one and one now. Uh, host the Jets in week three. Love that going forward uh, for the Colts and this whole team. Hopefully that the Colts can get a little bit healthier, especially for next week too. Uh, you do like to see that the Colts cornerback uh, group played as well as they did the secondary in general with injuries and, and illness. You know, Rocky Sin out, Malik Hooker uh, getting hurt. Something that you really like to see uh, is everybody stepping up. So you love that. And we didn't see a whole lot of negative play. There wasn't a bad bunch, you know, of pass interference calls or anything like that. Um, so you'd like to see that. Everybody tackling well in the secondary too. So that that's nice. I, I think overall pretty, pretty damn good week too for the Colts considering everything. Uh, that we've seen and and understand at this point. So I'm uh, going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. I'm going to go through the game by possession for the most part. Um, and then uh, we'll sign off and we'll talk uh, at least one more time this week. So we're going to take a quick break and I'll be right back. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. 
it comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. All right, folks, we're back. Uh, let's go through the drives and kind of uh, go through the game uh, possession by possession here real fast. Just talking about some of the highlighted areas um, as we mentioned, the Vikings went through that first possession, 13 play drive, uh, ended up getting a field goal from Bailey out of that. Autry throughout the drive was called for roughing the passer, went high on cousins. That could have been the end of the possession right there with no points on the board. Uh, however, cousins and the Vikings kind of capitalized on that one with Dalvin cook used, you know, they used a lot of running backs in this one too. They, they at least three plus a tight end, if I'm not mistaken, caught a couple carries. Um, so, but the Colts end up holding them cousins overthrows Rudolph on third down the Colts, uh, force a field goal down three to nothing, uh, after a long drive Colts come right back and, you know, you like to see what the Colts did in this game overall. However, you, you hate the end result in this because the Colts come back with another long drive of their own, kind of matching it. The, the, the first quarter here was only two drives. Campbell went down, grabbing his knee after a sweep. Um, Taylor ended up diving over the pile a handful of plays later to gain two on a fourth and one. That kept the chains moving for the Colts. Uh, uh, Rivers ended up hooking up with Pittman later on. Uh, for six or seven to get another first down on a third and four. Uh, later on, Rivers went to Taylor for a few. Didn't pick up the first, but the penalty in the Vikings gave the Colts a first down. It was an illegal contact. This one is one, and that was on third and ten, right after Braden Smith was called for a false start. So this could have changed it too. This is where the penalties came in on both sides of the ball here uh, for the Colts and Vikings. Ultimately, uh, it was a drop by Mo Alley-Cox that uh, ended up turning the ball back into the Vikings' hands uh, that went for a interception. Taylor had 11 carries for 45 yards on that first drive. Uh, like I said, it was kind of debatable uh, at first, you know, just the first look there, but you did see that the ball went off of Molly Cox's uh, chest. The defender caught it again. 
16 play drive went over nine, nine minutes uh, worth of possession for the Colts. Very productive in general. You hoped that the Colts would have gotten some points out of that. However, the Colts forced a three and out immediately following that. Uh, the Colts did, or I'm sorry, the Vikings did literally nothing. They started the ball or started with the ball at their own five yard line. Cook ran for a uh, one yard. Cousins threw incomplete to Rudolph, went deep. Nice pass breakup for Kenny Moore. Colts force him off on third and nine, and uh, Viking or the Colts end up punting. A bad punt return, or I'm sorry, a bad punt plus a return from Hines after sliding to catch it, gets back up, gets the Colts to the 35-yard line of the Vikings. Uh, Rivers, that tipped pass I was telling you that was at the line of scrimmage, Pittman ends up tipping it to himself, pulled it in, ends up getting a nice play. Right before that, Pittman caught a 16-yard pass uh, from from Rivers as well. A few plays later, Taylor hit for a five-yard touchdown run, putting the Colts up 7-3 to with 11.45 to go in the second quarter. Taylor at this point now had 13 carries for 55 yards. He was at 4.2 yards per carry. Um, the Colts end up going another, doing really well again on defense on this following uh, possession here. Uh, Leonard had a really nice stop on Madison. Uh, Cousins went to Smith. It was called back from an offensive pass interference. It turned into third and 19. Madison had a nice run for 11 yards, but the Vikings still had to punt consecutive three and outs for the Colts. At that point, that was a high point for me. I was like, consecutive three and outs for the Colts defense? What is happening right now? Um, following Colts possession, the Colts had to punt. Uh, T.Y. dropped that surefire 45-yard touchdown. That, I mean, that was on first down play too, and he was wide open. He just toasted Harrison from the Vikings. The Colts, you know, lost seven points right there. And that, I'm not going to joke, that, that worried me. That, that instantly made me feel like, shit, this is where the tables turn, right here. I mean, this is what I <laughs> – that, that was instantly my thought. Colts are up 7-3, to three, could have gone up 14-3, to three, not going to happen. Uh, however, the Colts were still playing well, and the Vikings were still playing terrible. So the thing – everything was falling. The ball was bouncing in the Colts' uh, court for the, uh, for the rest of this game, actually, as we know. Um couple plays into the next Vikings drive. Rhodes bat down that ball that was intended for Thielen. Uh, It was third and seven at that point. Cousins got sacked for a safety by Buckner. Like I said earlier, Autry got the initial pressure. Buckner came and cleaned it up. Uh, The Colts were up nine to three with just under five minutes to go in the second quarter. Um, The Colts following possession. uh, The Colts ended up having to settle for a field goal after Rivers threw incomplete to Pascal in the back of the end zone on a third and four play. Blankenship hits from 28 yards. Colts up 12 to three with just over a minute to go. Cousins gets picked off by Willis. We saw this kind of the Hail Mary pass here. Uh, All right, take that back. Not yet. Uh, Cousins was picked off by Willis. This is the tip from Blackman on the following one, attempting to go deep on third and 10. That was a third straight three and out by the Colts defense. Uh, Colts trying to put some more points on the board here on their next possession with very little time to go. Uh, Colts had to settle for a 38-yard field goal from Blankenship. Colts were kind of okay with that. You know, went incomplete to Pittman. Taylor picks up four. uh, Went back to Pittman for another four. It was fourth and two. Colts decided field goal points is good, especially when you're getting the ball early in the second half. TJ Carey ended up uh, intercepting Cousins' final heave of the first half. So that was the end of the first half, 15 to three Colts. All in all, a very productive first half.
even though it was still only a 12-point game at this point, you still felt like the Colts had it well in hand. At halftime, and this is when we found out that Hooker was ruled out with his Achilles. Um, wasn't At that time, it was kind of like, okay, not good. But we did see that there was, you know, Blackman was playing good. We'll, we'll deal with it. Uh, Rivers end up getting strip-sacked on the first possession of the game, or the second half, excuse me, by uh, Unique Ngakwe. Um, ended up getting uh, recovered there. I believe Braden Smith recovered that. The Rivers went to Hilton on a bubble screen for minimal gain. Colts had to punt. It was a missed opportunity for the Colts to take some big momentum with them into the second half here. The Colts just did not look good on their first uh, on their first drive. You know, uh, uh, a six or seven yard run was negated by a Braden Smith uh, holding call. Uh, Rivers threw the ball to Hilton for like a seven yard loss, six yard loss, something like that. Then you get the strip sack. It just was not a good start. Things were not looking good. Uh, you get to the next possession. There was good coverage on Carey by the or on Thielen by Carey uh, was an incomplete pass. Kenny Moore intercepted Cousins on a tip pass to I can't remember what his name was number eighty one on the Vikings uh, and the Colts ended up taking over the Vikings twenty two again. This was nice, except here was another situation where the Colts didn't put six on the board but had to settle for three. Uh, the Colts end up going three plays in. There was some miscommunication on an incomplete pass to Pittman. Colts had to go with Blankenship. I think it was a 38-yarder for this, 18-3. to three. Uh, And this is where I said it. It's okay in this game, but the Colts have to do more with these opportunities and settling for field goals. Um, Vikings on their next possession, this is one of their longer possessions of the second half for sure. Cousins gets sacked by Tyquan Lewis in this one. Thielen dropped. Uh, a pass or two. The Colts are in the are, were just really swarming on defense. There was an eagle crackback. I mean, the Vikings were kind of just falling apart too here on this one. Nice uh, punt return by Hines though. Um, ended up was a fourth down. The Colts. This was kind of a, a turning point. So there's a penalty. The Colts end up having to you know the the Vikings down the punt. I think at the five yard line. There was a penalty. The Colts elect to replay fourth down. You get a nice return out of Hines. That was a difference. I think they, I think it looked like thirty, like a difference in thirty-four yards for the Colts, and that, and that had a lot to do with what ends up happening on the following drive here. You know, the Colts end up going down the field. Wilkins was starting to get some some play here, picking up six, seven yards. Uh, Pascal caught a fourteen-yard catch here. Uh, Taylor got a couple, but you know, this is where. Pittman started to kind of get it too aggressive and had a couple of penalties himself. In the end, Rivers end up connecting with Moale Cox, that big leaping catch, which was super nice. On the following play, Rivers hit Pascal for a two-yard touchdown pass. Colts were up 25-3. to um, Moale Cox had hit his total after that, five catches, 111 yards. Rivers at this point was 17 of 23 for 180, a touch and a pick. Um, Colts go three and out, or Colts force the Vikings three and out, excuse me, on their next possession. Um, good pressure again from Buckner here. He lit Cousins up on second down, forcing the Vikings into a tough third and seven situation. Cousins had to try and go deep along the sideline to Thielen, overthrew him. It was good coverage, good all-around defensive possession for the Colts. Uh, Blankenship had to go for another 44-yard uh, field goal attempt hits it. Colts went up twenty-eight to three. 
Uh, Wilkins, again, was getting the bulk of the carries on the following one. Taylor earned four yards on that net on this drive, which gave him his 101 yards for the game, which was nice to see. They pretty much pulled him after that. The following possession for the Vikings, Cousins was sacked by Buckner in Houston. Um, there was later on, Cousins hit Jefferson for a first down, uh, and there was a fandom personal foul call on Leonard. It was just, in all honesty, it was complete bullshit. Uh, it didn't, I don't understand the call at all. Uh, the guys on the broadcast were saying that it was, you know, that he was, uh, what, loading up or whatever the hell they call that. But it, the dude hit him in his chest. I mean, he didn't hit him with a helmet. He didn't launch. That's what it was. They said, they said he launched. I didn't see him launch, uh, at all. So I don't understand the penalty in that regard at all. Anyhow, Cook runs up for a touchdown. That ends up giving the final score, which was 28 to 11, uh, with 520 to go in the game. Colts recover the onside kick. Colts wear the clock down. Neils ended up winning it after the two-minute warning. Colts end up going one and one, putting a really pretty decent game uh, on paper and you know together. Now, I, I do think that Hilton is some sort of the worry here. If you're if you're looking for a side note, you know, kind of I don't want to say a side note, but if you're looking for something to maybe worry about, you look at the the drops that Hilton had last game. We I'm pretty certain that we all believe he's gonna come around. Uh Hilton had three catches for twenty eight yards on five targets. He did have a twenty eight yard catch. I mean, just add forty five yards to that is what he should have had, you know, what, seventy three yards a touchdown four catches on six or five uh five plays or five uh, attempts that looks a hell of a lot better than three catches for 28 yards you know that that kind of shows you and in fact with the two neg I think he caught one for a negative two yards and that other one I was talking about like negative six or seven yards his 28 yard catch you know mate ended up bringing it back so it was kind of crazy the way that went uh Pascal three catches on four attempts and then Taylor Doolin and Hines uh, combined for four catches uh, and 19 yards. So not a lot out. I mean, Moali Cox being your top dog by a great leap receiving. That's uh, that's something I don't think any of us expected going into this game. In the end, Colts beat a team that's struggling right now. They lost a receiver last, you know, coming in the offseason. Uh, now it's just basically Thielen, a couple tight ends, and uh, you know their rookie Jefferson that the Kirk Cousins has to deal with. Still has Dalvin Cook in the backfield, but the Colts did their job today, and the Colts offense again, you know, marched down the field several times. So you got to give the Colts some some due offensively. Frank Reich deserves some praise for his uh, creative play calling. Uh, the Colts defense, like I said, I don't think many of us were happy at all with the end result from the week one loss to the Jaguars and nutshell though, you know, that's the way the Colts are going to have to play, keeping the ball in front of them, knocking the ball down, making some turnovers. Uh, and the Colts have seven sacks defensively in two games. That's not, that's not terrible at all. So we'll kind of look at that. Like, and, and just to be perfectly honest with you, Gardner Minshew looked pretty damn good today Threw for over 300 yards on the Titans, uh, had a touch. Uh, like two or three touchdowns in a pick, maybe two picks even, but he was letting the ball go. And they only lost by three to the Titans, and I believe that was in Tennessee. Um, I could be wrong. 
but I believe that's the, the case. So, uh, and, and I think I told you guys this last week in the, in the post game, uh, podcast that I don't think that the Jaguars are all that bad. They got some young dudes defensively. They've got some playmakers offensively and they've got a quarterback that's very much cool and calm and collected is going to take what, no matter what the defense gives him, um, he can make some plays. He's got a decent enough arm to go downfield if necessary. He's patient. So I don't think the Jaguars are going to be nearly as bad as people think. Um, so yes, that's not something you, the Colts definitely should have won that game, but that I don't think is going to be a loss that we all look at at the end of the year and go, God, that team sucked. How did we lose? That's just one loss. That's going to screw us. There's going to be some, there's going to be, I think there's going to be a handful of teams that get beat by the Jaguars that probably don't expect to be beat by the Jaguars. So I don't think that we're going to look on that as such an amazing defeat, you know, uh, when it's all said and done. But like I said, Colts are coming into week three. They're going to play the Jets. The Jets are kind of a hot mess. Uh, this is basically a game against the Colts, you know, farm system, more or less, in New York. There's a lot of former Colts on this team. Uh, we're going to look into that, kind of look at the game that they played uh, this week, their loss in week two, and uh, we'll talk about what we're going to see in the Jets. We're going to get more from Stampede Radio, more from Pancakes this week. And we'll have another podcast later on in the week uh, here on the Colts cast to kind of break some things down, talk about what the Colts are going into with uh, with their week three game. So thank you guys all for listening. Go Colts one and one. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Colts cast. Stampede Blue.